Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. You expected to recognise that. Love Island theme channel. Hello everyone, I'm Liz, this is Liz. I'm Nick, we're with you again. I've been watching Love Island, it started again this week, so you really know it's summer, even though it's snowing in Yorkshire, we know it's summer because there are girls in thongs, and the difference this time round, everyone, is their second-hand thongs. They've been up somebody else's front bottom no. and back bottom. No, what do you mean? No. You don't wear other people's knickers, no. No. Everything's second-hand on Love Island to try and make it more woke. No. Sorry. No, I'm not having knickers that have been on somebody else's bits coming onto mine. I'm not. I'm not. And also they're making it more woke by choosing a deaf female contestant. They didn't choose me because of my wobbly bits, but they've chosen someone called Sasha. But you've got your mile of thong. You're ready. You're ready to go. Yeah, and mine isn't even second hand, is it? No. <laughs> it's been going for years, though. <laughs> and she comes from quite near us, Thirsk or somewhere in Yorkshire, and she's a model. And she was born completely deaf, and she had a cochlear, whatever it's called, implant, implant. when she was five. But you can slightly tell from her voice that she's deaf. I couldn't tell, actually. When I watched and I it... And I do think she's wearing a hearing aid as well. Could you see that behind her no, ear? What was that then? No, when I... when I, I mean, you might have seen it because you sort of knew which one to look at, but I didn't know which of the girls was deaf. I just knew one of them was. I couldn't tell who it was. Well, she does announce in episode one that she's deaf and they all say, well, she's got balls to say that, you know, as if she's saying, you know, I'm a drug addict or something. I miss that But bit. she does make little mistakes... So someone said, oh, I live in Ireland. She said, oh, you live in Norfolk. And so the commentator, you know, that Irish, Scottish bloke, wherever he is, he says, oh, you know, she's stupid. But she's not stupid. She just didn't hear. No. And this is... It kind of... It it made me quite tearful, really, because seeing her on Love Islands, it reminded me of being at a party and there's boys or being at a disco... And I just stayed quiet because I had no idea what anyone was saying and I made mistakes and they laughed at me because they thought I was stupid and a boy would come and chat to you and because you kept going, eh, what, eh, they'd get bored and roll their eyes and wander off. And I can sort of see in her she's got that quiet shyness that deaf people have because you're always afraid of saying the wrong thing. Do you find it helps if you actually say to someone in advance, I have hearing problems, so... I might not understand you, I might not hear you properly. Do you find that that people communicate better if you warn them? So, for example, on Wednesday, I went to the Caridis Clinic, which is in St. John's Wood, you know, the plastic surgeon, because I like to check in. Love Mr. Caridis. So this is a medical environment. You get there, it's very expensive, and there's a girl behind in the reception, she's wearing a mask, and she's talking to me. And I said to her... 
why are you still wearing a mask? She said, oh, we have to in, in, in the hospital. And I said, because I'm deaf, you're a nurse, I can't hear what you're saying. And she still didn't take it off. No. So even though you tell someone you're deaf, they don't make any allowances whatsoever. And actually, certainly in a medical environment, there are see-through ones. There are alternatives. You could yeah. have a face visor if you want to wear something. There are alternatives. Yeah. It should be catered for. The only thing she lifted her mask from was to eat her topic. Probably you have to put less makeup on for a mask as well because they do look perfect, these girls, don't you? You go into, into like a plastic surgeon's office and these girls are all, it's like some sort of horror film, you know, where all in Steptoe or something, not Steptoe, Stepford, Stepford, where everybody's perfect. Says Mrs. Malaprop. Well, I'm more Steptoe in our space. <laughs> so I think... I think she was quite brave going on a dating show as a deaf person because I think she does still wearing hearing aid. I, you know, it's very hard when you're deaf to cope when there's lots of different people talking. You can't differentiate between the words. Lots of it takes place at night, so you can't see their faces properly. And you're always being pushed into water or shoved under some sort of water thing, aren't you? But I found when I did Celebrity Big Brother... My sister said to me, oh, you were very quiet for the first couple of weeks. I had no clue what was going on. They were all arguing about stuff. I had no clue. Well, it was before you no had your clue. hearing aids, wasn't then it? They all, that was before I got hearing aids. Yeah. But then all the girls got used to me being deaf and they were actually found it quite funny and they were very sweet to me and they'd whisper to me and... I think the funniest thing... Remember that American girl who went out with Matthew Perry or something? We became quite good friends because she found it quite funny that I kept saying the wrong thing. Well, what was hilarious, absolutely hilarious, because me and the puppies were watching it, we tune in at night, and we voted for you and everything. We were were full team Liz, and (laughs) the funny, funny, funny thing was, was you'd just look at people as much to say, oh, shut up, or you'd roll your eyes... Or the people would be talking, you'd be staring your cough and looking at them as much as say, oh, for God. And you just get up and walk off. And you just look so disdainful at them. It was the most funny thing ever. But what I couldn't understand, because I very much live alone in a very controlled environment, and I was suddenly in a house with lots of other people, and I could not believe how dirty they all were. And there was a very famous man in the programme, and I saw his toothbrush... Oh, my God. It was literally... I wanted no. to, I should have thrown it away. It was disgusting. That would have been quite funny. And the girls never cleaned the bathroom, so I got penalised for something. I don't know what I did. I fell asleep or something. So they made me clean all the bathrooms. They were so eager. I think I put this in my piece in the mail on Sunday. When I came out, I had to write a piece about it. And I was out of practice because I hadn't written for about three weeks. The girls were so keen to get back in front of the camera... They took tampons out in the bathroom and left them on the floor because they were so in such a hurry. Oh, my God. Can you believe people left like that? Oh, my... I, I've just died inside. I've just I've just recoiled and shriveled up. And This is the reality no. of reality TV, folks. No. Oh, this well... This is the reality. OK, well, God hopefully that's what make it on Love thought. Island. But there's some nice boys on Love Island, aren't there? Well, one of the themes of Love Island is... 
who's in your top three? Who's in your top three? So I just said to Nick before we went live to the nation, <laughs> Nick, who's in your top three? And she started naming boys off Love Island. Luke they all look the same Andrew. to me. They all nice, look the same nice to me. Nice little boys. How do you know their names? Because I've watched it. They're nice little boys. But they all look alike. All the white men all look the same. All white men look the same to me. They do. <laughs> they got these day glow teeth. Why are their teeth so bright? Nice tattoos. No, I'm very. But that wasn't what you meant, was it? It was. No, top... I meant what's your top three in the world? Not. <laughs> Is it dead or alive or anything? Anything. Well, because one of mine's have to be Cary Grant, Tom Cruise as Maverick, and Orlando Bloom as the Elf. I like people as something. Oh, then the course is Keanu Reeves is John Wick. I think I think Keanu Reeves could be a little bit moody. Oh yeah, dirty and dark. Bring it on. And he's I got do a stuffy know for John a fact Wick. That Orlando Bloom is a very nice chap. Yeah, and look at him as the elf. And we'd have to wear the elf costume at all times. And Tom Cruise would have to wear the Maverick costume at all times. You might get a bit hot, mightn't you, in bed or in the shower? Oh, no, no. He'd obviously, obviously, the point is he's ripping it off of him, obviously. But, yeah, we have to start off as Maverick and the Elf. I haven't seen Nick Top Gun yet because I'm <laughs> waiting for a, a Top Gun with subtitles. Got, It'll be me and a 92-year-old, won't uh, it, in the cinema? No, you've got to see. It, it, it's just it's, it's eye candy and, and lovely and brilliant flying and no, stuff. No, but I like to know what's happening. You don't need to. It, they just fly planes and... and flirt so what about you what's your top three david cassidy also a little bit moody didn't like him when he was older very dirty wheelie bin yeah yeah uh, yeah going through their wheelie bins i mean that takes it to a new level yeah but you need you need to know how clean they are well you could just scrub him up couldn't you if you needed to go on and the other two queen steve mcqueen no, no. In his racing outfit. Um, yeah, How can okay. you t- she doesn't like the Beatles. No. She doesn't like Steve McQueen. Well, I mean, I'd force myself. You know, if I was on a desert island, I'd force myself. But it wouldn't be me top I think one. he could be a little bit moody as well. See, handsome men are difficult. Mm. Number three, it was very close. Go on. Between Prince, who's dead, and Morton Harkett. Oh Jesus! Not the not the cheekbones, the cheekbones. Top man at the my th- number one of my top three pop pickers is Morton Harkett. Is he all right now? We had, we had this conversation before, didn't we? Yeah, but is we're going right to bring him up every week until he listens. Do we? Well, I'm going to do that to Tom Cruise then. Tom, I'm waiting. I'm still waiting. Do you know he didn't contact me after the podcast when I said I was free <laughs> and I was available and I was ready and willing? I never heard anything. I mean, what the actual? He's been in Yorkshire as well. I know. What the actual? I'm here. But do you know what else I've been watching? Go on. Everything I know about love, which was from Dolly Alderton's book. You know, she's a rival columnist. She's a rival. She's I a do. Rival. I she's saw a rival that. Columnist. She's rival. Yeah. She's very pretty. The actress who plays her is very pretty with huge very eyes. What did you think of it now? Because um, you're younger than me, you're probably more tolerant. I, I don't know if tolerance, my middle name. I wanted to love it. I wanted to, but I didn't. Unfortunately, it made me feel. I think. I think part of the problem is is I couldn't relate to it because my youth was nothing like that. I didn't take drugs. I 
wasn't as flippant. I, I got a bit tired of them going to discos and arms in the yeah. air and raving. And, and that wasn't my life. I, house share would have been my worst nightmare. I didn't want to share with a load of girls. I, I, I did flat share. I no. flat shared with one girl and three boys. Yeah, no. Well, at least you got the ratio right. I mean, I just, it just didn't. It just didn't float my boat. And I think part of that was a I couldn't relate to it because that wasn't my use. Sadly, I might have had a better time. I was very serious. But did you like the character, the lead character? Yeah, I found it. I found it watchable. I didn't want to carry on watching it. I've watched two two episodes. There were a couple of good lines. There were a couple of good lines, and there were a couple of things that made me laugh. I think I just felt too old to watch it. It was quite a rude line about a finger. Did you remember that? Yeah, yeah. And I thought, you know, her boyfriend was was a really good character. Um, straight. I hated I him. him. I know I liked but straight. who who meets a hunk on a train, gets off the train and snogs him. I just get twenty five stone football fans who are eating crisps. Yeah. And you cannot date a man who wears a hat. I'm sorry. You cannot well, you can just date flick that off, a can't man you? who wears a you hat. Just, you just off that. That's not a problem. But she's just so confident and then she gets the job in telly. You know, I worked thirty years before I got a column. It's just they're so confident. And they're sort of trying to plead poverty as well. Well, they don't work very hard. And they drink and there's a lot. one scene where the, the heroine, Maggie, who's really dolly in real life, she looks at her phone app to see how much she's got in a bank. And she's got 34 pence. So I thought, OK, I'm going to look at mine. I've got three pounds. Mm. So it was all kind of like... I found them all quite dislikable. Yeah, I just couldn't bond There's with them. There's no self-awareness. You see, the thing, there's sort of a much younger, grubbier version of Sex and the City. The thing about the Sex and the City girls were there was a real pathos to them and mm. disappointment. You could see Carrie was disappointed and nothing worked out and she just spent all her money on shoes and no one loved her and they were afraid of growing older. And... These girls, they're just kind of like the girls who used to bully me at school. Mm. They're so confident. I don't really like these overconfident people. No. And she gets a job on telly, which in real life Dolly did. She was a scriptwriter for Made in Chelsea. I don't know. And it just, it also made me feel just a complete failure and that my whole 20s were spent in an office working 14, 16 hours a day trying to learn my craft and staying late and never going out and in yeah, terror. Yeah, I relate to that. Yeah, I felt a bit like that. I felt like, oh, I should have enjoyed myself more when I was younger. And I think that's what I couldn't quite gel with it because as an older person, I could have gelled with it if my youth had been more like that. Yeah. But instead, it just made me feel I did the same. I, I went, I worked really hard. I was looking after my horse and I didn't go out and do all this stuff. And it kind of made me feel, oh, I should have enjoyed myself more. But they're all having yeah, lots of sex as well. I didn't have any sex in my 20s. And I don't know, it's, it's kind of like a fantasy version of what they think 20-something's life should be. Maybe her life has been mm. a breeze. Mm. And, you know, she sold half a million copies of that book. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't think I'll stick with everything I know about love. No, I've already abandoned it. I've already abandoned it. I've got to be and honest. it felt a bit like a children's program to me, but with cocaine. Yeah, yeah. I just whereas yeah. so many lines in Sex and the City were just beautifully written and honed, and there mm. was so much pathos in that Carrie 
couldn't build enough of a life for herself that she just still washed her knickers in the sink in the bathroom and hung them over the shower mm. because we all thought someone was going to come along and rescue us and make our lives better. But actually, we're still doing it, and I've still got £3 in my account. I've given up on that now. I've hit, I've hit, I've hit 51 and decided Prince Charming is just not going to come. That's it. I'm done. Giving up. But you've got a funny antidote, haven't you, this week, Nat? I... I it was. Well, Liz, Liz thought it was very funny. I, I stayed at Liz's the other night to look after the dogs. Because I was working. Because she was working. And um, I thought, oh, great. You know, I can't order any anything food in when I'm at home because I'm too out of the way. And it, just the pleasure of being able to dial a pizza. I thought, great, I'll get a pizza. A vegan pizza. A vegan pizza. Domino's do really good vegan pizzas. And... So the guy knocks on the door and I open the door and of course I've got six dogs in the house. So I open the door a crack and I'm saying to the guy, can you slide it in sidewards? But all the topping would fall off. Well, it was that. So, and of course he was trying to slide it in and it wasn't happening and my phantom was going, oh, why? Are you sure we're not back with Tom Cruise? Oh, God, he could slide it in any way like... So I'm standing there like an idiot. I open the door a bit more and Boris shoved his head between my calves and then Teddy, who is twice the size of Boris... Teddy's the size of a horse. ...shoved his head above Boris's... Between your thighs. ...between my thighs. And I had the two girls, two of the girls, one either side. So Pizza Man then, very nice young man, gets on his knees and starts fussing Teddy and Boris between my legs. And I'm like... So Teddy's head is in your crotch and the man is fondling Teddy's legs. Yes, and he he, he, he didn't realise, bless him, but I'm like... I don't Did he say, well, you've got that. a furry minge? <laughs> he did not. He did not. Thank God it wasn't a cat. That's all I can say. You know, could you just kind of stop that? You you know, like... With the hands. With the hands. And like, could you just stop that? And I was, I mean, that was so funny. But the worst thing was, is when he did stop that, Teddy was like, oh, come on, mate, let's fuss me, and shot through my legs. So to, you rode Teddy. To after Pizza Man. And I literally rode Teddy out of the front door trying to grip hold of Boris so he didn't disappear into Darlington. Pizza was in the air, so I was like I was doing a rodeo. I was rode Teddy out with one hand down with Boris with the pizza and the Fanta in the air so the other dogs didn't get it. I just want... I'm just... I'm doing the actions. We need to video this. I'm doing the actions. (laughs) So, yeah, so that was very funny. Yeah, but please don't stroke the dogs when their head's between my thighs and I don't know you. Not unless you're Tom Cruise, in which case you can do whatever you like. That's fine. Do you want to hear about this week's column, which is the whole point of this podcast? Well, I suppose so. Go on, then, if I must. (laughs) We've got people very intrigued from last week. I met the rock star for lunch at the Talbot Inn in Malton. Da, da, da. Malton is the food capital of Yorkshire. Did you know that? Have you ever been there? I didn't and I haven't. Is it the vegan food capital though or is it sort of like... They made me book a table in the bar, although it turned out I was the only person in there. A large banner proclaimed at the entrance, Think of us for your wedding. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, don't frighten him. Well, I think you practically proposed about two weeks ago anyway, didn't you? I sat in the corner, surrounded by a carpet of collies. He arrived. He didn't say, did you hear the roar of my engine as I pulled up, which a previous date had done. One point, he got a stripe there. (laughs) Well, yeah. He didn't tread on Missy. Two points. 
After pulling eight ears, he leaned over to pet me on the cheek. Minnie chose that moment to jump up, so all he got was fur. It was a bit like the pizza man. Well, no, I've I got physical contact with a pizza man in a more intimate way. <laughs> You're not bald at all, he said, peering at my scalp. Minus one growing point. back. You, on the other hand, ha, ha, ha. There was a lot of scraping of chairs on the wooden floor. Then he squeezed himself in by the window. He's not small. I noted the toothbrush sticking out of his breast pocket. I patted him on the chest. What are you doing, he said. I'm checking to see if you pack floss. Flirty, flirty. I thought I'd use yours, he said. Sauce. Says she, who's saying I'm seeing if you're packing floss. The waitress turned up. She didn't recognise him, or me. (laughs) He put his hand on my arm. I felt a surge of affection wash over me. And then he said, what's that? Um, it's my relaxed sweater by Navy Grey and blush. Right. They get all the details, you see, when I'm wearing something. And I'm sure that meant everything to him. (laughs) He said, no, that. I looked. Oops. I'm showing Nick. (laughs) Oops. Why is it even still there? Well, I haven't washed it since. Oh, God. There was an undissolved fairy laundry tablet stuck to my sleeve. Oh dear! Do you know I should I should check you before you go out? But I look, really should. But why did that happen? It's me, Ellie. No, but <laughs> German engineering, and it just ruined my jumper. Maybe it's maybe it's just your tab that's the problem, not the Miele. I knew I should never have cut corners and machined wash knitwear, or I should have done what I did when he surprised me before on a visit, and there was food down my front. Minnie, quick, lick my sweater. I actually did that. I had food in my sweater. I said, Minnie, quick, lick my oh sweater. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. She I'm not sure you should tell well. people this, honestly. There's some things you should keep very quiet. It broke the ice. I quizzed him on his latest girlfriend, but he said he doesn't want anything written about her. He did say it's not great dating someone so much younger. Which is then rights. Uh, <laughs> which you then right. <laughs> oh, God. I hated it, I said. I was a bit like Megan in St. Paul's. Or was it in St. Paul's for the thingy for the Queen? Right. Megan kept touching her collar. And everyone believed that she had a microphone for Netflix under her collar because she kept touching her collar. I miss that. I hated dating someone younger, I said. Always being teased about the menopause, breaking a hip, treated like his mum, him calling me old lady in front of his friends, having to pay for everything as he only had a Visa electron card with nothing on it, compensating for not being dead by showering him with gifts, even though he was morbidly obese and short and not successful. He's starting to back away at this point because I'm on a rant. I'm ranting. Yeah. I'm ranting. Yeah, and I'll be honest, once you start your rant, that's it. He snorted fizzy water through his nose. I noticed his isn't as straight as David's, but I pushed the thought away as though it were the butter that came with the artisan sourdough. He got out his spectacles to peer at the menu. Why do they always say this? My friend said this the other week and he just said it. Do you mind if I have the lamb, he said. It seems local. What does it matter to the lamb that it's local? And also, the do you mind, it's kind of like it puts you in a real position where you have to say, no, no, of course not. And actually, what you want to do is stab them. Well, actually, you are like Mystic Meg, because the next quote is, I said, 
Of course I don't mind. Oh, for God's sake. Setting the feminist stroke animal rights movement back 50 years. Just, if you eat lamb, just don't expect to exchange any bodily fluids. You have to go there, don't you? You have to. Do you know what he said then? Go on. I'll have the pea risotto. Oh, well, well done. Well done. You can read this week's diary in full on Man on Sunday's You magazine. So talking about Megan, who was in and out, wasn't she, for the for the festivities last week? Honestly, this podcast, I've got slipping it in, you've got in and out. It's not going well, is it? We're gonna we're gonna be in a new category. But I thought the best thing about the whole Jubilee concert, because a lot of them I didn't know who they were. I have to, I didn't know who they were. I thought, who's he? I've recorded it. I haven't watched it yet. I'm saving it. Well, you're going to have to skip through some people because we don't know who they were. But that's what I like. I like to record these things and then I can fast forward. No, but you're not live, are you, you see? No, but I can fast forward to the ones I don't want. For me, the best moment was when Andrea Bocelli sang Ness and Dorma from Turandot. I'd probably oh. fast forward that. <laughs> I've got to be honest, that would probably be one of my fast forwards. Oh, it was amazing. No, it was. It was amazing. Yeah. Oh, it was. Do you want me to sing it? No, I, no well, because it's not going to be amazing, is it? Let's face it. But do you remember in 2015, I went to interview him for You magazine at his home in Tuscany? I do remember. I, re- I remember it well because you were telling me all about his horses. So this is my interview with Andrea Bocelli, who sang for the Queen. I'm in Tuscany, not far from Pisa, just outside the small town of La Tactica. I don't know how to pronounce that. In an open-air theatre, the Teatro de Silencio, so called because for most of the year it's unused. The hills are dotted with olive and cypress trees. There is a huge blue moon. It's balmy. On stage is a chorus of 40 singers in black tie with a full orchestra. There's a hush. And onto the stage comes Andrea Bocelli. He's the world's top-selling classical singer. He has a guide at his elbow, so someone walks him onto the stage so he doesn't fall off the front. Yeah, that would be bad. That would stop the show quite quickly, wouldn't it? He sings Nissan Dorma from Turandot, and the huge crowd is mesmerised. The high notes from this world-class Italian tenor make the hairs on my arms and the back of my neck stand on end. See, it's Morton Harkett. And Andrea Bocelli. They're not quite the same, are they? But when they hit that note. <sighs> oh, dear. Morton. Oh, no. It's aha. You can't put aha with Andrea Bocelli. You just can't do it. You can't do it. Anyway, no. he actually, his singing actually made me tearful sitting there in Tuscany. It actually made me tearful. And it reminded me of my dad. My dad loved opera. He was stationed in Italy during the Second World War. And he made sure he went to visit La Scala. My dad actually really enjoyed the Second World War. He wore a uniform and he kept sending my mum, who he was married to and she didn't see him for three bits, photographs of him sitting on various fountains. Oh, bless him. In his, in his hat and everything. The next day, I turn up at Andrea Bocelli's house, but he wasn't expecting me, so he didn't call the police. And you, please tell me you didn't go through his bins. I No, I didn't go through his bins, actually. See, that's because you didn't fancy him. If you'd have fancied no. him, you'd have gone through his bins. It's on a narrow lane between ploughed fields, opposite his brother's winery, which sells wines from the family vineyard. They took me round the winery. 
The front lawn of his house was covered with tables and chairs. They'd hosted a dinner the night before in aid of children in Haiti. So he does nice things for children as well. It's very quiet. His house is a three-storey building converted from a former pensione with high ceilings and a private chapel. He bought it as a wreck and took three years doing it up. Inside, it's dark and cool with three grand pianos, squashy sofas, masks worn by the performers and last night's opera scattered over the floor. One thing they did, actually, because he's blind, before he came in to meet me, is everyone hurried around picking things up off the floor. Yeah. Why were they on the floor in the first place? Here's a bit of serendipity. There are photographs of Andrea Bocelli everywhere, but you can't see them. There's a photograph of Andrea with Tom Cruise. <sighs> so he's met Tom Cruise. You see, six degrees of separation. Oh, me, Andrea, Tom, you. Me, 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 Tom, I'm here, me. My favourite photograph is where he has a broader smile and he's posed in a stable holding in his arms a foal bred from one of his horses with the foal's mum peering round Andrea's shoulder, loving but slightly anxious. The house is full of paintings of horses and sculptures. His wife, Veronica, emerges. She has dark, straight hair, a deep tan like a sideboard, legs so thin she reminds me of Karen Reutfeld. Do you know who Karen Reutfeld is? Absolutely zero idea. She was editor of French Vogue? Yeah, zero idea. She's the editor of French Vogue. She isn't anymore. She's probably old or I don't know. I was sitting behind her in Paris Fashion Week and Karen Rockfield had a photo of herself as a screen sofa. OMG. So most of us have a puppy, don't we? Or a yeah, cat. Yeah, 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 exactly. Andrea Pacelli was still asleep, so my interview was delayed until after lunch. In the meantime, I went out to the stables. The horses were all in and it's so hot, and each stable had a giant fan keeping them cool. Aww. Veronica, Mrs Pacelli, tells me the stallions are allowed to go out with the mares, hence everyone has a chewed mane and a chewed tail. I prefer them to be happy rather than perfect and beautiful, she says. Oh, I wish more people had that attitude. Then, Mrs Pacelli made me lunch, fried courgette flowers, stuffed with lemon and mint. Ooh. I notice as we eat, still waiting for the great man to appear, that the maids... And the waiters and the cleaners and the gardeners all sit down with us to have lunch under a big awning and have a glass of wine. You can tell a great deal about a man by how he treats his horses and how he treats his staff. You see, you know I've been to Mary Berry's house a lot. Yeah. She's got people who make all the dishes and do the food styling, the photography and everything. Yeah. They've all been with her for 20 years. Yeah. You can tell someone. No, you can. Yeah. And look how long you've had me. It's not a revolving door, is it, here, Nicola? <laughs> it's not a revolving door. I'm like a boomerang. You try and get rid of me and I come straight back. Finally, Andrea Bocelli appears. He's wearing jeans, a sweater. His pepper and salt hair is standing on end. He's slimmer than in his photos and far more handsome. I tell him women at the concert last night were screaming and swooning. Well, that was probably just me. Does he realise he's a sex symbol? I don't think I am a sex symbol, but if I am, I'm ha very happy to be so. He wasn't born blind. Andrea's parents had a farm in the Tuscan village of La Stersa with a small vineyard. His mother, who joins us later in the kitchen, is 78, with cropped silver hair and a stern expression. 
but when she was pregnant with him, she was admitted to hospital with suspected peritonitis. And she was given medication that, she was told, meant her child might be born disabled. She refused to abort him, and he indeed was born partially sighted. At the age of 12, he was sent 200 miles away to an institute for the blind where he slept in a room with 64 other children. But while playing football with a weighted ball, and the reason they weight the ball is so that partially sighted children can hear it coming and they know where it is and then they can kick it, it hit him on the head and it blinded him completely. Oh, my God. So from the age of 12, he went completely blind. That's really tragic, isn't it? You send your child to a school... And they blinded him. Yeah, that, that, yeah that's, that's pretty awful. But it really changed me meeting Andrew Bocelli because he was just so inspiring. And he told me, at 12 years old, he put being blind behind him in one week. That's incredible, actually. Incredible. Yeah, that's incredible. Is he ever frustrated at the way he's treated by others? Do people treat him as though he's stupid? Sometimes people think I need help in doing things, but I don't. He began a career in music when he was 20, singing and playing in piano bars. When I ask if it's true he started to sing in order to get women, he merely laughs and said, yes, that's true. (laughs) He was discovered in 1992 when Pavarotti heard a tape of him singing. And his career took off with the 96 duet Time to Say Goodbye with Sarah Brightman topped the charts. His first marriage to Enrica, with whom he has two grown-up sons, ended in 2002, but his ex-wife lives nearby and they're now on good terms. He met Veronica, his second wife, the one with the Karen Rockfield legs, at a party. How did he know she was a great beauty? I've always been very susceptible to the charm of women. I felt it very strongly. If I hadn't thought she was beautiful, I don't think she'd be here with me now. Ours was love at first sight. They have a three-year-old daughter called Virginia. I spot her being led by a nanny into the garden in a party dress. How does he know how beautiful his daughter is? Does he imagine what she looks like? I don't imagine it, he says. I know it very well. I know her very well. Doesn't that tell you that beauty is more than skin deep? He doesn't need to see her to know he's daughter's beautiful well actually you think about someone you know that's blind and in a way i'm going to say this like carefully they're lucky because what they're doing is seeing the person for who they really yeah. are they're not seeing the person for their looks or what they're wearing they're seeing who they are so i said well how do you know she's beautiful do you touch her face yes of course i touch her face touch is the most precise of our senses although it can't be used all the time because you have to be right next to the person you want to feel I asked him what his wife would say were his best qualities. Maybe you should ask her. In fact, please do ask her. She was 18. He was 43 when they met, but that didn't matter. He sang an aria to her, Occhi de Fata, or Fairy's Eyes, and they moved in together that night. The same night they met, because he sang to her. And it says something they're still together, though, isn't it? I believe in love at first sight. I really do. I've had, I've had love at first sight. Yeah, I have. I totally believe in it. She keeps whispering in his ear and guides him. I wonder if he's ever alone. I'm frequently alone, he says. I actually like being alone. I asked him if he could choose between having the ability to see and having his incredible singing talent, what would be his answer? I think that people can get used to anything, he says. If you're positive about life, and I am positive about my life, I never think about what I'm missing. I will put all my energy into making sure I don't lose what I've got. 
That's my first answer. My second answer is that since I am a religious believer, every day I express my thanks and gratitude for what I have got. I never complain about what I don't have. And I also ask him about a video where he's riding one of his stallions across the beach. So he's galloping on a beach on a stallion and he can't see. I remember you telling me telling me about that, yeah. And he said, well, running risks and getting into dangerous situations is also always something I adored since I was a child. Because of my age and because of my responsibilities, I run fewer risks now and get myself into fewer dangerous positions. And now I'm a father, I realise how much I must have made my parents suffer when I was a child. We go out to the stable block together and Andrea opens the door to his favourite stallion and embraces him. Horses came into my life in a big way when I was a child, he says. To me, horses represent strength, elegance and beauty. They were the stuff dreams are made of. When something like that enters your life as a child, it's a passion that remains with you. I ask him why opera is so moving, and he says, Turandot has been moving people for a hundred years. It stays with you for the rest of your life. I ask him if he's considering taking a little bit easier, working a little bit less. I think about that almost every day, he says. Before I leave, I ask his wife that question. Why did she marry him? He's like an 18th century gentleman, she said. He's so polite, so gallant. I fell in love with him at first sight and I hadn't even heard him sing a note. Isn't that lovely? What a lovely couple. Isn't it just lovely when you hear about like these people that are so happy together? And you, Because in my world, it all doesn't exist particularly. Do, do you know what I mean? I've had glimpses of it. But this enduring love where you meet someone and it's simple. It just, it's and beautiful. It's, passionate and he's the best at his job in the world yeah to be the best at your job in the world that is something isn't it Mm. i'd like to be mediocre (laughs) the best but he's one of the loveliest people i've interviewed he's up there with bruce willis and do you remember during the lockdown when everything was locked down and on television they had him singing in milan he was outside the duomo and it was so eerie and magical. That's the m- main thing I remember from lockdown is him singing. Mm. And they showed a video of the silent Champs-Élysées and silent Rome and silent New York. Yeah. And it was his voice just echoing. It was like it was echoing across the world. Yeah. No, I have to say, even I found that, like, amazing. I really did. <laughs> Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. So would you like to know what the readers have been saying this letters, week? Letters, letters, pray. Letter. <laughs> well, I'm going to I'm gonna do this one first because um, it sort of relates a bit to your column. It was a comment, actually, on your... I don't want anything negative. It's not negative. It's not, would I bring negativity into your Is life? often? So this was a comment on your column last week from Lady Penelope too, And she says, I've been looking for you in the mail on Sundays. I like to read your column. I see now you're writing your woes. Sorry, one of your colleagues is incontinent. My 16-year-old Bichon is too, but where's dear little pants? And I hope you've bought some for yours too. Ignore David. You don't want to be bothered with him anymore, I'm sure. Life is short, so deep breathe, smile and buy something nice for yourself. What shall I buy? 
A sweater without a, a, a tab what on it. What shall I buy for myself? Shall I tell you what I have just bought on eBay? What? That is something nice. Go on. Because you know last week I watched Pistol, about Sex Pistols. You did, and sung again. I bought a squiggle Vivian Westwood t-shirt. Did you? Red. Original. Oh. Small. Because I'm not size fat. You're not size fat. You're size small. I want to remind small. everyone I'm not size fat. God forbid. It hasn't come yet because the person selling it on eBay said, I'm sorry I haven't posted your Vivian Westwood squiggle t-shirt. I've got COVID. It's just become the get out. Do you sort of have to like, disinfect it as it comes through the door? You have to leave it in the garage or something for two weeks. But when are we ever going to get over this ridiculous excuse of a life-threatening plague well, I just, just kind go of for it what's if, your problem I kind of thought everyone you could still you could still crawl to the post box well everyone seemed, seemed to have a problem at the Platinum Jubilee and, and stuff like no. that I think it's sort of post really my gone bloody squiggle t-shirt oh god's sake right but get some little knickers that's a good idea get some little knickers for Gracie though she chews them she chews them happy she probably wee herself when you were putting them on wouldn't she yeah she doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't you put a collar on Gracie she wees herself <laughs> yeah I can't see that working we've also got Diane who emailed and said hi Liz I love reading your diary sorry column not a diary so the message is getting through she said sorry column every Sunday it makes my day even though my husband agrees with some of your views buffets I wish I could be more like you you say as it is and you have beauty tweaks done and tell your readers I too suffer with not liking myself. And I've, I've, this makes me sad, actually, because she's got this big long list. Hair too thin, jowly too fat, too much skin, knees too fleshy, teeth not perfect and hands like a hundred-year-old. She's nose still got too, a husband, though, isn't nose she? Nose too big and hate, hate got her husband taken. Yeah, but to be fair... She with all be, those things wrong with her, she's still got a husband. But she could actually be describing me. Look uh, on the sunny um, side of life, Diane. Especially jowly. But she says, I got my husband, second, from eBay. Sorry, Smooch, he is lovely. She got a husband from eBay? I don't think it's a, really, but I think it's a dating oh, site. Oh, right, okay. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't noticed any more. <laughs> <laughs> he loves me for who I am and doesn't know why I'm so fragile about my body and face. I know he told me online that he was five foot six and normal. When I asked what he looked like as there was no picture, I think that's really brave meeting someone no picture. I think that's really you brave. You made me get a picture, didn't you? No, I, I, I want a picture. When we eventually met, he was five foot three, quite rotund and lacking in head hair. But he makes me laugh every day, proper laugh. I thought I would share this with you as you like my Sundays. Now I found your podcast as well. Now you're on the podcast, I am. Keep looking. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, and hello to Nick as well. Great twosome. No, leave you out a bit. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcast videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday. But for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.